Hey, you're listening to Guat.Rock, Sky of the World, and Other Things. I'm Kenny Price, your host. Our mission, advancing equilibrium in the midst of an agitated world. This is Season 8, Episode 157, The Glue That Holds the Goo Together. Subtitle, She Has Always Been Here, The Truth About the Great Prostitute. Our focus is going to be primarily on Revelation 17, but we will conclude today's podcast with a reading of chapter 18 and part of chapter 19 to bring this section to a close. There's a lot here. There's a lot to absorb. It's really more than one person can absorb in one setting. And so the things I say to you today, I say as an introduction for you to give further time to reading and to evaluation and to reflection. Friend, I can tell you that this is the most difficult chapter in the entire book of Revelation as far as I'm concerned. At the same time, if you give an ear to hear and open your mind to the truth, it begins to absorb and you begin to see what it's really all about, what it has really always been about. Let's begin. Revelation chapter 17. This begins the victory lap for the saints of God. Chapter 17 through 22 describe in great detail the total triumph of our almighty God. Revelation chapter 17, I read. The Woman and the Scarlet Beast, 17. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and spoke with me. Come, I will show you the judgment of the notorious prostitute who is seated on many waters. The kings of the earth committed sexual immorality with her, and those who live on the earth became drunk on the wine of her sexual immorality. Then he carried me away in the spirit to a wilderness. I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, that was covered with blasphemous names and had seven heads and ten horns. The woman was dressed in purple and scarlet, adorned with gold, jewels, and pearls. She had a golden cup in her hand, filled with everything detestable and with the impurities of her prostitution. On her forehead was written a name, a mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and of the detestable things of the earth. Then I saw that the woman was drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the witnesses to Jesus. When I saw her, I was greatly astonished. Then the angel said to me, Why are you astonished? I will explain to you the mystery of the woman and of the beast with the seven heads and the ten horns that carries her. The beast you saw was and is not, and is about to come up from the abyss and go to destruction. Those who live on the earth whose names have not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world will be astonished when they see the beast that was and is not and is to come. This calls for a mind that has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman is seated. There are also seven kings. Five have fallen. One is, the other has not yet come, and when he comes, he must remain for only a little while. The beast that was and is not is itself an eighth king, but it belongs to the seven and is going to destruction. The ten horns you saw are ten kings who have not yet received a kingdom, but they will receive authority as kings with the beast for one hour. These have one purpose, and they give their power and authority to the beast. These will make war against the Lamb, but the Lamb will conquer them because He is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. 
Those with him are called chosen and faithful. He also said to me, the waters you saw where the prostitute was seated are peoples, multitudes, nations, and languages. The ten horns you saw and the beast will hate the prostitute. They will make her desolate and naked, devour her flesh and burn her up with fire. For God has put it into their hearts to carry out this plan by having one purpose and to give their kingdom to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. And the woman you saw is the great city that has royal power over the kings of the earth. Friend, throughout all of history, there has been at the core of fallen man, guiding and manipulating the affairs of humankind, a central system at work and control, peddling its influence and bringing the affairs of man into its intoxicating, sexual, filthy system. It has been and always will be full of murderous hate for the saints of God and those who bear the name Christian. It is the system under the control of the prince of the power of the air, Satan, and it will be utterly destroyed and done away with when Satan himself, through the direct possession of a human man, will finally do what he has always wanted to do since the fall of Adam, rule the world of man on the earth and establish himself as God. The earthly system he put in place was a necessary third-party agency he had to employ while the Holy Spirit of God controlled the world and kept the great prostitute in check, limiting her power to prevent absolute domination of all world systems, which will finally come when Satan ascends his earthly throne to reign for a moment, tasting the elements of perverted worship before being bound with chains for a thousand years. From the moment he raised his head in rebellion against Almighty God in heaven until the end of his reign of terror during the first half of the Great Tribulation, he has had free movement confined to the fallen earth, the blue planet. He disdains the impending total confinement and paralysis for a millennium, then eternal torment and outer darkness and molten fire that gives no light, the destruction of the great prostitute, Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and of the detestable things of the earth, the great city that has royal power over the kings of the earth must come for the rise of Antichrist to occur. If the time of the end had been in John's day, it would have been the government of Rome. If the time of the end is now, then it is the power resident in the United States of America. Throughout all of history, there has been a dominant superpower on the earth. Its core is evil and its ways are detestable yet it has always maintained a cloak of wealth and royalty. Here is the dossier of what she really looks like when taken out to the wide open wilderness for divine scrutiny under the influence of the Spirit as by the prophet John. Friend, this chapter is the most difficult to fully grasp in all of the book of Revelation. There is a lot to absorb here. It is not something that we will fully grasp in its entirety until we see the destruction of the great prostitute unfold then it will all make perfect sense. The overarching difficulty to grasp is indicative of just how vast, powerful, and filthy rotten she really is. In the end, it's really talking about our human existence. The vision is hardest to understand when it is a vision about you and I. Babylon the Great is not a false religious system that arises in the Great Tribulation. That religious system that is established is for the Antichrist. Clearly, the great prostitute is the system 
that has held sway over all the rulers of the world all throughout history. As I have said, this system must be dismantled. In verse 17, it is clear that God initiates this himself to bring all of the kings of the world under the submission of the Antichrist. The Antichrist will not tolerate anything or anybody that distracts from all attention being focused on him. In all of history, there is nothing with which to compare this time. God in his grace and mercy has tolerated all of the false ideologies, world religious systems that are opposed to his way of salvation and obnoxious evil rulers throughout all of history. Yet fallen man hates him for his loving mercy and grace. The fall of man's superpower must come. The puppet kings, the Antichrist installs, will come to power merely to hand over the world system to him. He makes them kings to make himself the only king. Then he will demand ultimate worship as God from all. Though you and I perhaps view some world religions as Antichrist in their actions and beliefs, this does not mean that in the end they will bow their knee to the Antichrist. There are those who may worship other things besides God Almighty, but it does not equate to worship of the devil. There will be many murdered for the refusal to bow down. But chapter 17 is about the judgments and destruction of the shape-shifting, now get this phrase here, it's important, the destruction of the shape-shifting, geographically transient, world central power that has always ruled the governments of the earth. Friend, do you, as I do, stand in wonder at the terrible things that continue to unfold in front of our very eyes, things that just a few short years ago would have been unfathomable? Revelation explains the locomotive engine behind this train. The mystery spoken of here is not unknowable, but something previously not known, now being mediated by God's divine revelation. In the middle of this revelation in verse 9 is a formulaic call to vigilance and close attention, a call for the mind of wisdom. John is totally amazed upon viewing the great prostitute. Who is this woman, the great prostitute? She is the insolent, immoral, idolatrous, blasphemous, provocateur epicenter of the world power of fallen man. Her personas reveal her identity. Personas are an individual's social facade, the personality that a person projects in public. Here's what we know of her. First of all, she's the great prostitute, mentioned in verse 1, 15, and 16. A prostitute is one who makes their living from sexual immorality, to live without sexual restraint. It is the one who commerces themselves for the sake of money. Prostitution here is in the figurative sense of one who is spiritually unfaithful to God and here by figurative extension, a political entity hostile to God, a prostitute providing client-pleasing, immoral, illicit services in exchange for money and control. The prostitute uses sex to get what she wants. The illusion is that she is involved in a reciprocal relationship with her client, but instead we see that she sits in the seat of power over her johns. Her glitter conceals a basic fundamental hatred and hostility for God combined with her readiness to seduce men from their rightful allegiance to God, intoxicating immoral indulgence. Another aspect of her personality, she is Babylon the Great. In the Old Testament, Babylon was the ancient city of Assyria that was always the enemy of God, a world power exercising authority over many nations. In the New Testament, Babylon the Great refers to Rome, as seen in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 13. But clearly, it is a seat of power on the earth. The great prostitute is also the mother of prostitutes 
and of the abominations of the earth. Friend, let this sink in. It means the great prostitute is the epicenter and the originator of the abominations of the earth. For all of history, it has a strong connection to sexual immorality. Abomination here refers to anything connected to idolatry, stinky things, the detestable thing which causes the desecration of God's sanctuary. The great prostitute is also referred to as the great city that sits on the seven hills that rules over the kings of the earth. Friend, this is not symbolic imagery. This is fact that rules over the kings of the earth. It cannot be any more plain. In John's time, it was Rome. Seneca called Rome a filthy sewer. It identifies it with Rome, but it does not exhaust the symbol. The great city is every city and no city. It is civilized man at his best, organized apart from God and in opposition to God. It is the city of man, which is always in opposition to the city of God, the true holy city, the new Jerusalem, which is described in detail in chapter 21. The great prostitute, Babylon the great, the mother, the great city, William Hendrickson, commentator says, is the world as the center of seduction at any moment of history. In Rome, as nowhere else, could men see the city of man bent on its own blasphemous way, opposing with all its might the things of God. Friend, her appearance hides her objectives. Her objectives are abhorrent, abominable things, utterly detestable things. Her objectives are sexual immorality, fornication, and her objectives are murderous, murdering the saints of God. Her appearance is one of lavish luxury, but it is nothing but a deceptive facade. Her partners demonstrate her effectiveness. They are those who sit on many waters. They are peoples, multitudes, nations, and languages, the kings of the earth. Friend, let this sink in. Friend, this is the truth. Peoples, multitudes, nations, and languages, the kings of the earth. Why are we shocked? Why can't we see this? But yet I remind you that her destiny is destruction. Friend, this is a hard pill to swallow. It's hard for us to come to a realization of the way that things have always been. I read chapter 18 and part of 19 in closing. Revelation chapter 18. After this, I saw another angel with great authority coming down from heaven, and the earth was illuminated by his splendor. He called out in a mighty voice, It has fallen. Babylon the great has fallen. She has become a home for demons a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, and a haunt for every unclean and despicable beast. For all the nations have drunk the wine of her sexual immorality, which brings wrath. The kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality with her, and the merchants of the earth have grown wealthy from her sensuality and excess. Then I heard another voice from heaven. Come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins or receive any of her plagues. For her sins are piled up to heaven, and God has remembered her crimes. Pay her back the way she also paid, and double it according to her works. And the cup in which she mixed, mix a double portion for her. As much as she glorified herself, and indulged her sensual and excessive ways, give her that much torment and grief. For she says in her heart, I sit as queen, I am not a widow, and I will never see grief. For this reason her plagues will come in just one day death, grief, and famine. She will be burned up with fire because the Lord God who judges her is mighty. The kings of the earth who have committed sexual immorality and shared her sensual and excessive ways will weep and mourn over her when they see the smoke from her burning. They will stand far off in fear of her torment, saying, Woe, woe, the great city, 
Babylon the mighty city, for in a single hour your judgment has come. The merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her because no one buys their cargo any longer. Cargo of gold, silver, jewels, and pearls, fine linen, purple, silk, and scarlet, all kinds of fragrant wood products, objects of ivory, objects of expensive wood, brass, iron, and marble, cinnamon spice, incense, myrrh, and frankincense, wine, olive oil, fine flour and grain, cattle and sheep, horses and carriages, and slaves, human lives. The fruit you craved has left you. All your splendor and glamorous things are gone. They will never find them again. The merchants of these things who became rich from her will stand far off in fear of her torment, weeping and mourning, saying, Woe, woe, the great city, dressed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, adorned with gold, jewels and pearls, for in a single hour such fabulous wealth was destroyed. And every shipmaster, seafarer, the sailors, and all who do business by sea stood far off as they watched the smoke from her burning and kept crying out, Who was like the great city? They threw dust on their heads and kept crying out, weeping and mourning. Woe, woe, the great city, where all those who have ships on the seas became rich from her wealth. For in a single hour she was destroyed. Rejoice over her heaven, and you saints, apostles, and prophets, because God has pronounced on her the judgment she passed on you. Then a mighty angel picked up a stone like a large millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, In this way Babylon the great city will be thrown down violently and never be found again. The sound of harpists, musicians, flutists, and trumpeteers will never be heard in you again. No craftsman of any trade will ever be found in you again. The sound of a mill will never be heard in you again. The light of a lamp will never be heard in you again. And the voice of a groom and bride will never be heard in you again. All this will happen because your merchants were the nobility of the earth, because all the nations were deceived by your sorcery. In her was found the blood of prophets and saints, and all those slaughtered on the earth. Continuing in chapter 19. After this, I heard something like the loud voice of a vast multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah! Salvation, glory, and power belong to our God, because His judgments are true and righteous, because He has judged the notorious prostitute who corrupted the earth with her sexual immorality, and He has avenged the blood of the servants that was on her hands. A second time they said, Hallelujah! Her smoke ascends forever and ever. Then the twenty-four elders and the four living creatures fell down, and worship God, who is seated on the throne, saying, Amen, hallelujah. A voice came from the throne, saying, Praise our God, all his servants, and the ones who fear him, both small and great. Friend, if you will allow the words that I've just read to you to absorb into your mind, you will see that what I tell you is the truth, that Babylon the Great is among us. She has always been here. It is a cooperative, cohesive, unifying force that governs the governments of the world. It does not have totality in its power because of the presence of Almighty God through the power of His Holy Spirit on the earth. But one day, God is going to remove the influence of His Almighty Holy Spirit, and Satan is going to finally achieve what he desires. Total control of the planet, and for just a brief moment, a taste of what it feels like to be worshipped as God. But friend, as we see in the end, it all comes crashing down like a house of cards. God is going to justify his saints 
He is going to prove right his saints. He is going to rectify the murder and the immorality and the control. The destruction of the superpower of man must come for the rise of Antichrist to power to occur. That rise will only exist for a moment and then the glorious return of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. My friend, I encourage you to join with me in prayer that God would give us a reprieve from that which is happening. It has all the signs of the wrap-up to the end. It's my prayer that God will give us a reprieve. In the press, you see the questions being asked, what does it look like with America leaving the world stage? My friend, that is a very disconcerting question. Yet in the midst of this strife and turmoil and garbage, we can be encouraged that God Almighty is on the throne. That which is happening is under His control and under His power, and it is for our ultimate good. And we must maintain our focus in the midst of this terrible time. So you ask me, Kenny, how can you stay encouraged? Friend, I stay encouraged by keeping my focus and my mind on Jesus Christ and not on the world. Friend, in that regard, nothing has changed. Our focus should always be on the Almighty God and not on the circumstances of the world. If we allow our mind to dwell and focus on the circumstances of the world, it will destroy us. That is the way it has always been. So I encourage you, dear friend, look to God, celebrate Him, know that He is in control and that He has this thing. And with that, I bid you peace.